Welcome to Y11 Audio. This is Ypsilanti's College Football Podcast. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. Last week, went to Mac Media Day way over in Detroit at the Fox Theater. It was cool. Uh, eh, it was okay, actually. I'd rather have it at uh, at Ford Field again, personally. But it is what it is. Got to change up the scene every once in a while. Not the best for doing our thing, but it was a pretty setup. You know, got to sit in some chairs that don't move. So, yeah, that's always great. You know, media day is media day. You go in, you see who's expected to win, you ask a few questions, and you bounce. It's not exactly the same setup, and I've talked about it before. If you've heard this before, go ahead and just skip a few seconds, but it's not, you know, a multiple-day setup. It's hardly even a percentage of your day. It is the morning of it, but that's about it. You know, you, you go in, you really ask a few questions, you let them do a few TikToks, do some social media stuff for the Mac, and that's about it. I got to break in my my new uh, my new camera. Took some pictures, took some videos. So, ipsy11.com. If you haven't seen my interviews with Chris Creighton, with running back Samson Evans, with linebacker Chris Chris, my goodness, I, I, I did that and I edited it out before. I'm going to keep it in this time with linebacker Chase Klein. And then I also got uh, you know some anonymous questions asked around the uh, Mac football field to, you know, just get a feel for, you know, what the kids are like and what they're into and, you know, just to get a feel for a few things. So uh, check out, you know, the video on the newsletter, on YouTube, wherever you can. That'd be great. There was no media poll released, but there was a coaches poll released. How much do you really care about coaches polls? I don't really care. I, I can hardly, like have strong conversations about it. It's nice to see where the respect's given. Like, where is the respect across... Like, those these guys are the experts, not me. Not, you know... I mean, yes, me. Yes, people that work at ESPN. Yes, all these other people who watch from the outside. But also, the truest experts, the truest of it all, are the ones that are these, are these football coaches, Right? These are the ones that we respect the most, and they deserve it. And so their opinion matters a ton. I respect their opinion. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I want to ask them questions. But when it comes to preseason polls where they can just, like, answer anonymously like this, and then we kind of have to, like, read like read between the lines of, like, who voted what, it's still just a different conversation than what we're having with the media where everybody's just, like, more out in the open, and they're like, well... We don't believe in the quarterbacks. We don't believe in the receivers, the defenses. But uh, that guy's got a really good, you know, whatever, defensive line. There's a great pass rusher on that other team. Ooh, I don't know. That that running back, man, he might be – he might tear up for another 2,000-yard season. He might be the reason why, you know, such other team is the dark horse in the division. You don't really have those conversations with the Mac coaches. I didn't try having that conversation with them because, you know, limited time. I only want to ask – a certain amount of questions and I want to ask the ones that I actually care about too. So that's why you won't see my content kind of just like go into those waters, kind of deal with that language. Cause it's just, it's just not fun for me. I kind of like, I like what I did instead, but still we should probably talk about the polls because that's what we're left with. And you know, if they want to set the, set the agenda for what we talk about, how we talk about it. So be it, you know, that's, that's the world we live in. But still, who's going to disagree with these? The West, 
Toledo's the heavy favorite, 11 first place picks. Eastern second place, one first place pick. That's that's like the highest we've seen EMU respected in these polls. You know, we haven't really seen EMU be picked second in the West, at least in my time doing this. Uh, followed by NIU third, Central fourth, Ball State fifth, Western going through a coaching change, dead last. Over in the East, Ohio is the East favorite with nine first place picks. Followed by Miami, followed by Buffalo with one. Then Bowling Green, Akron, and just like Western Michigan, Kent State is dead last with a coaching change. Seven coaches picked Toledo to win the MAC. Four picked Ohio. One picked Buffalo to win the MAC. That is a strong. That's a strong choice, man. Whoever did that is really inspired. Uh, and it wasn't Buffalo's coach because you're not allowed to vote for your own team. So what? What's the takeaway here? You know, Eastern is respected, right? And this isn't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't take this too far. I mean, the Mac is the Mac. It all gets very muddy. And we all know how the Mac shook up last year. And it's it looks like the exact same recipes this year. Like, we should expect a lot of the same with just, like, the simulation of Toledo, Eastern Michigan. Hey, what are you going to do this year? What are you going to do this time? Because Toledo, we, we've known for decades that you're incredibly talented. Eastern, we know that you've for decades while you find talent every once in a while and while you're getting better at it in these you know this past decade with Creighton you've had it a lot harder in the recruiting trail and in the development system it's not as quick for you to get to the talent level as Toledo at all so for you to duke it out you know 60 70 plays and to come away with a win that's hard that's hard to do but everybody expects you know most people in this league, it looks like, expect Toledo to come out on top. But if you were to ask them point blank, hey, what do you think the final score is going to be? I'm sure all these coaches would be like, yeah, within a touchdown. And I, I'm not, I didn't ask anybody that. I'm not, you know, working with direct knowledge of that. But I know for sure that if you were to like actually sit them down, it would say, yes, there's the talent thing, but there's the coaching thing. And I'm speaking on behalf of them. And this is me being the Mac mouthpiece that it wants me to be. But it's true. Eastern got that second place pick because it has consistently, time and time again, not because of a recruiting class, not because of two recruiting classes, not because a couple waves of transfers. It's because it's got this cultural thing going right. And it's the thing that all these Mac, you know, these Mac programs are aspiring to be. They all aspire for more. They all aspire for the MAC championship at the end of it. But culturally, as it builds, just the day-to-day systems, yeah. I, I think Eastern is a program that is looked up to. And it's looked up to, not because, the, you know, the title in the end, but, you know, they're reading the week-to-week work that this program has put in. This is not a program that gets run over all the time. This is a program that... Hey, if a couple things break right, no one's going to be surprised when it wins a MAC title. They just got to do it. The reason why it's not a favorite, the reason why it's not, you know, six coaches say Toledo, six coaches say Eastern, it's because we haven't seen it before. So they just got to go out and do it. And then after that, when it graduates all of its important pieces, you just got to do it again. And that's how you get above 
a second place pick in the coaches poll. It's how you get to a first place pick in the media poll. Into the stream of everybody's conscious imagination that yes, Eastern is a winner because we've seen it before. But that's not in our imagination because it's just something that lives on, you know, dynasty mode. Also, last year was bad. Last year was really bad. NIU had a bad year. Central looks really terrible. Ball State played really, 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 really bad. And Western, as much as I respect the program, you know, they, they're going through a coaching change for a reason. Like, it's, there are programs out there that are, that's easy to just throw out a first-place pick to and just play, like, you know, just make predictions based on helmets, like NIU. If I would have seen, like, two votes for NIU, I would not have batted an eye. I would not have been like, what are you seeing? Because I know what they're saying. They're saying, you know, yeah, that's that's NIU, and they have their quarterback back. And they have a great offensive line, and somehow it's just going to work. Like, that, that is, like, a simple enough explanation for me for any coach to just be like, yeah, NIU, what does this matter? But everybody loves Toledo for great reasons. Toledo deserves it. They, they deserve a lot of the attention here. And Jason Candle, you know, as much as we talk about him as being a guy of like, hey, why are you still there? He's got a great thing going for him. He's got a great thing going for him. Along with all the media day festivities, uh, a death chart came out. Yay, death chart. Yay, death chart. Nobody that's like a post-spring. Let's see. There's like one post-spring player on here, maybe two. But they're like special teams, so it's not that big of a deal. Generally speaking, there's not really like any post-spring players that are listed on this depth chart. And there's been a few late late incomers, so we just don't know yet. And we also don't know what a lot of these freshmen are going to look like, too. I know we saw, you know, Deion Brown, you know, he's, he's someone that stood out in the uh, in the spring game. But, you know, that's not a lot of data points. A lot of this, this is the paper I'm tapping. Let's see, if you hear me rub my finger, it spells out names, kind of like Braille. A lot of this on the depth chart is going to be sorted out, you know, once camp starts up and as everybody dukes it out for their spots on the field. And then even that, once camp starts, they're not going to be in their in their pads right away. Give it a couple days once they finally hit pads in camp, and then they'll actually learn a lot. And then even then, they just got to, you know, got to keep figuring it out. But just to give you a quick rundown of what we have over here. Uh, quarterback, of course, Austin Smith. He's the returning starter. He's listed as the number one. Cameron Okoy or Aiku Dengu. Uh, both of them are tied for the backup spot. No real surprise there. Uh, I expected, you know, that's what I kind of wanted it to look like or expected it to. Running back, there's only two names. Uh, they're both the number one, Samson and Jalen Jackson. Like they were, they were a great duo last year. I. You know, I'm not surprised that that's that's what it looks like this year. But some names that I'm looking at behind them, you know, where is when are we going to see Elijah Jackson Anderson, and then when are we going to see Deion Brown? I know I already referenced Brown in the spring game, 
just because we saw him make a few plays in the spring game, don't totally buy into it just yet. You know, they're not really allowed to tackle. However, that guy can move. Uh, And Elijah Jackson Anderson, he was a freshman last year uh, that came into the system. He's been brewing. You know, people really say that he's he's done really, really well for himself in practices so far. Hopefully we get to see some some of him in live action on Saturdays. And, of course, Dante McMillan, he just came in, uh, transfer from Weber State. Uh, I'm not. I don't think we're going to see too much Bryson Moss this year, even though he's still hanging out on the roster. Uh, would be cool to see him in some like short yardage packages, though. Um, but there's so many names on here that we just like don't know about. And man, Eastern is going to. They got a lot of talent to pick from. It wasn't that long ago when Eastern's running back room was just all freshmen. Like this was 2019, and it was just all freshmen, and it just just did not look like this man did not look like there was this much certainty out of the running back position so it, that this has taken a very very long time to fix you know a running back position which i know if you want to talk about in nfl terms it's kind of weird but you need a strong run game you need a competent run game that has multiple people involved and so eastern has that uh receivers at the x it has listed J.B. Mitchell as the number one. Von Swinton as the number two. At the Z, it has Tanner Canoe returning. The only returner back in, at the receiver room, really. He's the number one. Von Swinton the number two. Yeah, Von Swinton is at both. You know, he's the, the transfer that's standing out so far. Um, definitely got some looks during that spring game, too. Plenty. Of, there's Again, there's just so much unknown talent at this, this position just from losing you know, Hassan from losing Dylan and from losing Darius, you know, over the past few months. So lots of room for lots of guys to step up. Mikhail Wood, potentially Joe Walker, the two freshmen, uh, Ali Abdul-Bar. He's a guy that hit the transfer portal. He came back. But I am excited to see J.B. Mitchell. I am excited to see what he's about. He's someone that caught my attention last year in practices. You know, didn't get to see him at all, but he's been brewing in the system. I don't know. I, I'd like to see what his speed looks like on the field because I think he could be a real deep threat if if we can get you know those deep those deep passes completed all the time. Like the the completion rate just has to be there. But I think they have the receiver talent to do that. We just haven't seen it yet. Hamza Elzaya, he's transferred. You know that root in the system last year. Didn't get to see him yet, but he's listed as the starting receiver at H or tight end Max Reese. Two different, two different guys like Hamze, little slot body. Max Reese, much bigger. He converted wide receiver out of high school into tight end. He's finally going to really see the field this year. So we'll see what they use with that. Uh, tight end, you know, you just have two different kinds of guys there. Two different kinds of guys there. Andres, po- Andres Posky, big receiving threat. Jer Getzinger, not a receiving threat, big blocker. Two different kinds of guys just listed there. That's all that is. It's just two different kinds of guys. What play are we running? You. You go out there. Offensive line from left to right. The starters right now, it just reads as at left tackle, Chris Conti. Left guard, Mickey Revolinsky. Got a couple games uh, last year filled in for injury when Alex Howie went down. Uh, center, it's up in the air. Maybe it's Dimitri Douglas. Maybe it's Carson Lee. Maybe it's Broderick Roman. Haven't seen him in a minute. Right guard, Alex Howley, and then right tackle, Brian Dooley. No surprise with those two spots. Um, some names that, you know, we're kind of keeping an eye on, of course. 
Uh, some incoming transfers over the past couple of years. Chris Mayo this year expected to be at left tackle from West Virginia. Owen Snively, he's listed as the number two behind Revolinsky uh, at left guard. You know, he came in from Colorado State. And then at right guard, uh, there's Dan Sunderman, the three-time Division II uh, all-conference player. I don't remember what conference it is. Central Missouri, Gold Mules. I would expect him to get a lot of playing time. I don't see why he would just be a three-time you know, all-conference player. Well, well, I, I could see why. Just come and see if you can make it. If not, oh, well, at least you tried. But still, I, I, I'm sure we'll see a lot of him this year. And then Mac Endestead uh, behind Brian Dooley at right tackle. Just a growing young man. Uh, so we'll see what he's about. I don't know too much about him at the college level. On defense, the, the Leo, the pass rusher, we got Micah Coleman coming back, followed by Sterling Miles. Uh, Michael Coleman didn't play too much last year. Uh, 16 games played, only two starts total, uh, followed by Sterling Miles, the guy who's gotten a few blocked kicks last year, uh, including the one in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl to help him make it go from 13-0 to 13-2 on the scoreboard, and then the big swing after that. Carter Evans, the other starter on the other side, he's been growing into his own brother, Samson Evans, of course, uh, followed by Joe Zielinski. And then inside, just more returners that you might recognize except for one. Starter defensive tackle Peyton Price, backed up by Melvin Swindle. Haven't seen Swindle too much. We've seen a lot of Price. I think Price is, Price is damn good, man. Price is just damn good. He's annoying. He looks so annoying to play against. I would hate it if I were an offensive lineman. Just He just seems like the most annoying guy to deal with. That's why I love him on my side. Tim Grant Randall as the nose tackle, number one. Uh, backed up by a junior college transfer, Ugo Nosicki, who just came in. Uh, linebackers, you know him, you love him. Chase Klein, Joe Sparacio, and the Mike and the Will spots. Backed up by Zach Mochin and Luke Cameron, respectively. Not nearly as much experience coming back, you know, in the number two spots behind them. But we do feel good about the ones, right? Hybrid linebacker Kendrick Nowling, he's going to be the, uh, right now he's the listed starter as the alpha or the hybrid linebacker. Uh, three career starts to his name so far, uh, backed up by EJ Williams. No starts yet. And the defensive backs, safety Q Williams. I'm sorry, Q Scandrit, not Q Williams. That's Keon. Quintavious Scandrit, Cam Smith. Those are your top two safeties, deep safety. Hybrid safety, the star. You have Corey Hernandez. Yep, he's back. And Javian Norman, incoming freshman. And then the two corners. One of the better cornerback combos in the MAC for sure. Uh, Kempton Shine, the number one. The other number one on the other side, Josh Scott. Uh, Mark Lee is no longer on the team. He would have been a great addition, but, you know, Keelan Goley, he'll be backing up. And so will Tristan Hines, uh, maybe finally getting some real defensive snaps instead of just special teams. Speaking of special teams, of course, bringing back Mitch Tomasek, bringing back Jesus Gomez. Two of the better punters and kickers in the MAC, of course. So excited to see them back. Steve Bird, who's been with the team forever, like 2018 forever. Uh, he's back as the long snapper. Chris Creighton considers him an all-MAC player because there's no all-MAC long snapper, but Steve Bird's got to be it. And, of course, Jalen Jackson, he's going to be leading the way on the kick return. Maybe Elijah Jackson Anderson. See his name on there. Uh, punt return, they're still trying to figure out 
what the situation with that's going to be. It was Hassan and it was Dylan leading that last year. Right now, maybe it's Tanner Canoe, so we'll find out. All right, last thing. This isn't from me. This is actually from the EMU media. Uh, this is uh, Tom Helmer talking to Athletic Director Scott Weatherby about the schedules. I'll start September 1st against Howard. I'm a schedule junkie. I always love it when the schedule comes out. Uh, obviously, you're heavily involved in the scheduling, but I, I love the way it lays out this year. Yeah, I'm a schedule junkie. I mean, this is we're finally, you know, the last few years have been the schedule that I put together when I first got here. And, uh, you know, now moving forward, everything on the on the docket, except the Army game in 2030, everything else has been games that um, I've done and put together. And, you know, we've had it, you know, I've worked with Coach on how do we best put Eastern Michigan in a good light, right? And how do we give ourselves a chance to go to a bowl game every year? And that's, you know, play a Power 5 game, Go get the go get the the money. Obviously, uh, try to have a chance to win that. If you can pull off the upset like we did last year, all that does is help raise your stock. And then um, have a have a like opponent home and home. And I mean like budgets. Like I want people that have a budget like ours that we're competing. So yeah, it's tough on the road. You know, Lafayette was tough on the road. We had a chance to beat them. Guess what? They're going to come to our place. You know. And then now Jacksonville State this year. You know, they're just moving up. Uh, to Division One, and you know we're going to go to their place. They're going to come back to our place, and so those are the types of opponents. You know, UMass we've had as well, and try to do a home and home with them, and then get an FCS game. You know, and, and hey, can we go two and two, and win our two home games, maybe go three and one, and heck, if you go four and zero, oh, you're starting to set yourself up for a CFP opportunity if you have a great, you know, MAC uh, run. Right. Okay, probably not that last one, but it'd be really nice if if that were a possibility. But looking at the future schedules, uh, one thing that Scott Weatherby said in that interview, I don't know if you caught it, um, he mentioned an Army game in 2030. I don't see it on the schedule, so maybe that's just not public information that just went public there. Hey, I'm not the one that broke the news. But looking at these future schedules, I do kind of like the way things have been built up. You know, as much as I'm not the biggest UMass fan, I do... They are a team that should be in the MAC, and so whenever I see, think of, look at a team, and I'm like, "Hey, you would be a decent MAC fit." I'm not instantly against it when they're on the future schedules, especially when there's a ton of like home and homes lined up with them. And we do; we still have a home game coming up with them this year in 23, still at there in 24. You know, other teams that kind of fit that criteria of, hey, you should be in the MAC. Middle Tennessee just lined up with them in 2031 and 2032. You know, but I'm interested to see, hey, what else? Who who else fits fits that mold? Who else is, you know, that like-minded institution that, that EMU wants to put on the schedule and actually can reasonably fit into these future slates filled up through 24 filled up through 25 uh still looking for a week four game in 26 a couple spots in 27 and then of course you just find some open spots as you go on uh, apparently there's one taken in 2030 so can't take that again can't take that away from army so as i look at these future schedules let's close out with with three schools let's close out with three schools that are not on EMU's future schedules, but I wouldn't be upset if they would be. 
I would not be upset if one day EMU and Western Kentucky figured things out and played, you know, played home and homes with each other. Uh, that probably won't happen until 2029 at the soonest, which kind of stinks. You know, the 26, you know, 2026 things just don't work out. In both 27 and 28, Western Kentucky has home and homes with Ball State and Miami, Ohio. I doubt they want to add a third MAC game to their future schedules, especially this far out. It just would not make any sense. Uh, 29, all they have is a road game to a Big Ten school. So, you know, I could definitely see things working out that far in advance. You know, and that'd be kind of good to, you know, have, let's say, Western Kentucky and Eastern Michigan did a home-and-home with them starting in 29. And then also in, I don't know, one of the years that Middle Tennessee is featured, maybe 2031 or 2032. I don't know. I think it'd be really cool. I think that'd be pretty interesting, especially since, you know, those two schools are not going to be in the MAC right now. As much as I don't love UMass, I would not also be upset if UConn were on the schedules, Um, especially now that, you know, things are looking better for them. Maybe they'll have a better football brand in the next few years. I don't know. And plus, you kind of need the wins. So UConn, you kind of fit that. But UConn is not like a school that you would feature school like UConn would be like, you know, you need veggies. So you added UConn to your schedule. The third one is the final school that I'll say, and then we'll get out of here. Let's look for a big 10 team, a kind of a big 10 team, kind of a big 10 team that what's the first one that, you know, that Mac fans, not Mac fans, that Eastern fans could look at and be like, oh, oh, that'd be cool. Oh, that's because of that one thing. Oh, that'd be dope. What about Eastern versus Maryland? Just go there once, play one game, play a nice, you know, a tough football game, maybe win, maybe not. Maybe lose by three, maybe win by two. Maybe lose by 15. Who knows? But that's the school where Chad Ryland went to school, right? That's where he went for grad school. So I think it'd be an easy sell for Eastern fans. Uh, Plus, you know, it's just, it's Big Ten enough to where Eastern can beat them, right? It's not so Big Ten to where, oh, man, got to play Michigan. Oh, crap, got to play Ohio State. You don't really want to play those ones. You kind of want to play like, the eighth best Big Ten team. That's been working out pretty well. And also, it'd be nice if, like, if, let's let, let's just say it turns into a win. Let's just say EMU, Maryland, and, let's see, 20, let's say 2020, not going to be 2026, because that's, 2026, there's already EMU at Michigan State. Probably wouldn't do EMU at Michigan State and at Maryland. That wouldn't make too much sense, but maybe it would. I don't know. Let's say in 2027. Yeah, let's say let's say 2027 it happens. It's a pretty nice, important win to have in the DMV, right? Like that's a recruiting footprint where you want your brand to show up and have a big upset. And I think, 
like like you have like you want to have like all these Big Ten upsets, right? You want to have all these upsets, but it's better when they're more spread out, right? So you have the Purdue one, you have the Illinois one. That's two states. Yeah, so I think just like adding like a Maryland upset to, you know, to the CV, I think I think that'd be really sweet. I think that'd be really really cool. So uh, those are, those are three schools that I would like to see added to uh, these future schedules. I'd like to see Western Kentucky. Yes, I would deal with UConn. Give me Maryland, though. Give me Maryland. 